Kobe Bryant. And welcome back to the Counted Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Ahan, at Ahan Runta on Twitter, and Ahan, host of Counted Podcast on Twitch. That link always in the description so that you don't have to type that. I am with my boy, Michael Govier, MJ Govier on Twitter. For those of you who are watching on stream on a Tuesday afternoon, appreciate you. Laddie21, loyal in the chat. Gotta give him a shout out every time. Good afternoon, my friend. Uh, Michael's Twitter in the chat. Please go give him a follow if you like anything related to football. You got to watch his YouTube videos. Got to watch his analysis. What do you have up most recently, Michael? Got FAAB for us? Yeah, it's Tuesday morning. So that means the fab is live and rolling. I put a lot of work into it, as uh, Ahan can attest to. Stayed up very late last night working on that. So if you. This uh, man sent me a message. A <laughs> this man sent me a message at 4 20 a.m. Nice, by the way. Uh, telling me that you're going to sleep now. Like you, next time you do that, please don't tell me you're going to sleep. Just go to sleep. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, what, what an unnecessary message. Hey, I'm going to bed now. So. Yeah, you are allowed to go to bed. Well, you are here with us on a Tuesday afternoon. Appreciate you, Michael. We're going to get going with, first off, some week three review, as we always do. Got to flex the good takes. Got to talk about the bad takes and blame it on something. Um, so... Here we are, week three. A lot of stuff happened. Uh, I got to just start off with uh, my boy, Kirk Cousins. So the one league that I drafted Kirk uh, Cousins, it was a streaming quarterback league, obviously. Uh, I committed to the zero QB. You know, people commit to the zero RB. People commit to the zero wide receiver. I committed to the zero QB, and in the 12th round, I took my first quarterback, and it was Kirk Cousins. Uh, I dropped him after two weeks, um, thinking that, you know, we'll finally get to see some regression. Bippity-boppity-boo. Eight touchdowns, no interceptions through four weeks. Uh, only quarterback with that kind of stat line. He's a safe every week start for me going forward. The next few matchups, Cleveland, Detroit, Carolina. They do have a good defense, but you know we're going to talk about some game scripts later on. I feel like that game script could play right into his hands. And he might be he might be you know top five QB after like seven weeks. He is the QB four right now. Uh, Michael, any uh, any other QBs right now stand out to you specifically, either good or bad, besides my boy Kirk? Man, Kirk Cousins, the Michigan State product. I went to Michigan myself, so I remember Kirk Cousins kind of handing it to us. It's been a tough 14 years or so uh, to be a go-blue Michigan fan. But, hey, that's how it goes here. In the world of the NFL, though, quarterback play is just getting more easier every year. Aha, I've been around for a bit, and I can go back to the 90s. I remember when quarterback play was a little more challenging. There's more violence, more hits, but now the pocket is cleaner than ever and they're less likely to be hit. And guys like Patrick Mahomes, I'll say this about Patrick Mahomes. I've never felt more safe with a quarterback pick because even when he has a bad game, like he supposedly had against uh, the Chargers on Sunday, he still gives you three touchdowns about 300 yards almost he's so reliable that the bad games are still better than most quality games so that's a no-brainer but guys like Derek Carr uh that's where people get interested I'm a little concerned about him overall but I actually think he's a top 12 right at like 12 I think he's actually right around 12 as a starter and worth it on 12 team rosters and then guys like uh Matt Stafford are going to be the MVP this year I watched him in Detroit I got my jersey on the old school Black on black when Megatron was king. And I know Stafford is talented. I I, I know the curse of the Lions. Yep. And I would love to have Matt Stafford as my backup to any of these running quarterbacks. Because I know, we all know this, the running floor of guys, even like Jalen Hurts, uh, guys like Kyler Murray, of course, these running floors provide so much more value that people avoid quarterbacks like Matthew Stafford. But like what he's doing right now and all the weapons he has and the focus and the way Sean McVay's calling plays, we're looking at an easy 50-touchdown season, you know, 5,000 yards passing. It's going to be a tremendous season, and that's still worth something. Him and Tom Brady, both guys that don't really know him for running, are still quite valuable quarterbacks. And I think we need to remember, because we get so caught up in, hey, we need that extra rushing yards. More, 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 more rushing. I need a floor built on rushing yards. And that's not always the top priority. Facts. And you mentioned two things that, there that I want to bring up. First of all, Patrick Mahomes. So... 
you you aren't in the fan uh, Fantrax staff league, but but I am uh, currently in uh, first place. Um, is, is that true? I feel like I'm in first place in some. Yeah, I'm, I'm top two. I'm top two for sure. Uh, Mick might be three and zero, but don't quote me on that. Um, but I'm <laughs> I'm top two in the league, and is and I'm really happy with my team. And the the one decision I was criticized for is uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, early third round or late second round, whatever it was, or, you know, around that 30-ish area. Uh, I was criticized for it. It's the first time I've drafted Patrick Mahomes in a one-quarterback league. Um, but given, you know, the spots I had, it felt like Patrick, you know, there are good rules, um, but Patrick Mahomes is the exception. It's it just as simple as that. You don't get exceptions like this all too often. You got one here. It's Patrick Mahomes. Um, the other thing you mentioned, Matt Stafford, I noticed you have the Rams background. Is that Aaron Donald in the background? Yeah, that's my guy Matt Stafford back there, I think. Oh, that is Matt Stafford. Okay. Yeah, there he is. Since you brought up I'll Matt Stafford, <laughs> since you brought up Matt Stafford, perfect transition. Uh, by the way, Dude Food, what's good? Another loyal in the chat. Appreciate you for showing up. Dude Food, what up, though? That's right. Dude Food's in the chat. That means we got to talk about hype. And the guy that's getting me the most hype this season, my boy, I've been talking about him since his rookie year. His time has come. It's Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, wide receiver one across the board. A lot of people didn't see it. For those of you who took Robert Woods over him in fantasy football, I'm not even sorry for you. I warned you about this. Uh, the number one target uh, right now for Matt Stafford by a long shot. He gets all the red zone touches. He gets the deep passes. He gets everything. Uh, and Woods is more of a backup resort right now, you know, kind of like a check down Charlie, but like he's a wide receiver who is well reputed, but he seems like a check down Charlie right now. So it almost seems like he's getting a little disrespected. Um, but we will talk about a few storylines I want to bring up later. And one of which uh, Robert Woods kind of yelling in the face of Matthew Stafford a couple of times. They didn't talk about it much on the broadcast, but it did happen um, when he thought he was open. So something to look out for uh, next week. I love narratives. And, Michael, on your podcast, I'm going to I'm gonna mention it. Uh, Robert Woods kind of yelling in the face. So something to look out for is now a good time to buy in on a little bit of Robert Woods. What do you think? Well, I think absolutely. He's in a super-powered, high-tech offense. And he has talent. So it's only a matter of time. Cooper Cup, people are going to start adjusting to Cooper Cup. I don't know what the Bucks were thinking. We've already seen this guy dominate two weeks straight. And you left him... Really wide open on that one touchdown where he just got, I know he got, uh, he got picked thanks to his buddy, Bobby Trees and Van Jefferson, by the way, who I love secretly, Van Jefferson could be 12 team viable soon. Stay tuned on that. But I, I listened to your show last week and you, you said the same thing, man. You had the Cooper Cup thing down and you deserve full credit for that. He's talented. I think everybody thought Robert Woods a little more explosive, but this league is not always about explosivity. It's about route running, and it's about having a connection, too, with your quarterback. And, you know, nobody does that better than Cooper Cup. He puts in the work. It's obvious. Robert Woods works hard. I say stay with Bobby Trees. Don't panic. Yeah, I 100% agree on that. And we get a little bit of a preview into our our uh, our next segment on the podcast where we talk about guys do you want to panic on uh, stuff like that shout out am prosk in the chat that's my boy right there he, he says hell yeah bobby get your targets he's gonna yeah get them. he's gonna get them uh and you mentioned uh guys that uh you know lo looked good and have a good connection with their quarterback gotta mention odell uh he came back replacing jarvis landry essentially uh jarvis landry gets hurt he comes back uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Odell later, but the, the Browns guy I want to talk about, we all know what their, you know, their motto is. It's the run game. Uh, and so I want to talk about uh, the backfield a little bit. Game script, again, uh, they were beating up on the Bears. However you want to define beating up, people have different definitions, but, you know, they, they were they were dominating that game for a good portion of the game, thanks to Odell a little bit. Uh, Kareem Hunt went crazy. 10 carries on 81 yards. Of course, a big touchdown run contributed to that. He's not going to put up 8.1 yards per carry every single uh, day, but oh. I'm glad he did for the league I have him in where he is my RB2. So I'm happy uh, for that. Six receptions for 74 yards as well. The overall PPR RB2 on the week. So the yards per catch, not sustainable, but uh, you know Stefanski is going to always emphasize the healthy split between the two running backs. So. Hunt, to me, game script dependent, high upside play kind of guy. Do I feel like he's good sitting in my RB2 spot for the rest of the season? Probably not. That's why I'm working for some trades for some RB depth in that league. So I wouldn't overreact too much. Um, 
to the whole Nick Chubb hunt situation. You can't just look at the box score, see the number of fancy points they scored. You got to see how it happened. And in close games, Nick Chubb still feel top two, if not the best, just straight up runner, uh, talent-wise, elusiveness, that kind of stuff, um, in the NFL. And, you know, the, Saquon was in that conversation for a while, but, you know, health, all that stuff. Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb now feel like the top two in that department. Uh, I don't know if you had anything to add to the whole Brown situation, to the whole running back situation. I will let you know that I will join you in my enthusiasm for Kareem Hunt because I have him in my main home league, I guess, which is my biggest money league. I drafted him as my third. I got a Zeke and Swift, and then I wanted Hunt as my flex third running back. And you can start two more running backs in this league, so it's very important to have somebody like that, and it's one-point PPR. And a guy like Kareem Hunt is snapping very, very tightly with Chubb all three weeks, guys. If you look at it, he is right on his heels. There hasn't been, like, rotating disparities. It looks very, very much. And I know really, really great point, Ahan, about game scripts and how that can change. Look what happened with the Eagles last night. 18 plays in the first half. Miles Sanders got two carries. I mean, things could change real, real quick. So the fact that the Browns have been able to stick to this very, very defined plan about their playoff aspirations, which means they want Chubb healthy for the playoff run. So they're going to use Hunt as much as they can to – supplement his carry and workload efforts. So I'm all about Hunt. I think he's very viable going forward, and he's not going to have eight yards of carry, like I said, but he still has a lot to offer. Yeah, and I just want to put up the stat from, you know, playing around. Yeah, I like to look at random numbers, stuff that stand out to me, stuff I wasn't expecting, even though I watch, like, as much football as I possibly can. Uh, you know, the stat I posted earlier today, Kareem Hunt getting it done when he is on the field. So you can imagine that, you know, He's talented, and he's reminding people of that. And, of course, there was a little correction to this stat. Um, I was pulling this from Fantasy Pros, and they don't update right away. So, Tony Pollard, this is only counting one weeks one and two. But the other ones are accurate through weeks three. So, if you take out Monday Night Football players from last night, Kareem Hunt right now the number one in Fantasy uh, Football points per 100 snaps through week three with 48.7. When he's on the field, he's getting it done. A.K., he's still very talented. Speaking of running back situations, um, a situation that's just straight up puzzling a little bit <laughs> team-wise. It just, I've not been high on them all season, but now they're also hurt. The Indianapolis Colts and the fact that I had to, I had to for, got force my hand into drafting Jonathan Taylor first round. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor at the value I got him, I think it's fine. I did want to start. I had a plan start with running back, running back. And I was forced my hand into taking that because I got sniped on Eckler. It, it always happens. You come in with a plan, you get sniped early. It's what it, it's mm. what happens. Yep. But I'm still okay with Jonathan Taylor the way it is right now. And if Carson Wentz, you know, has a serious issue and he has to miss time, I personally like him a little more because maybe he gets more volume. But I don't know how you feel about that, Michael. Take it over. Take the floor away, Jonathan Taylor. How do we read the situation? Well. Snap-wise, again, man, I know games change, and the Colts have struggled, too. It's been a challenge, but they haven't necessarily been blown out. They've been, they were in it with the Rams. They lost by three to the Rams. Very tight game in week hey, two. I I had Rams minus 3.5. I'm not going to forget that. Yes! Oh, remind me one day to tell you about my amazing Larry Johnson 2005 parlay that came down to an extra point. It's a really fun story. I'll share that sometime. You know, I love my parlay stories. <laughs> yeah! Woo! That's got, I'm excited. I want to go bet right now. Oh, my God! <laughs> but Jonathan Taylor, I thought he was a little overhyped. He was deserving because he had a great year last year. But I was also very concerned about what we saw in 2020. It was a goofy year, COVID year. I don't need to remind you. You all lived it. But when you look, again, I like to go to the snap counts. I really do. It's not everything, but it certainly gives us a window into what's happening. And Carson Wentz was a miracle that he started in game three. That's another problem, too, is Johnson Taylor hasn't had reliable quarterback play. They haven't been able to use the play action to the best of their ability, which is a huge thing. I think it's really crucial for Carson Wentz and Frank Reich's offense for Jonathan Taylor to be able to thrive off that. And they have not been able to use it very well. So I've got concerns here. I really do. Because Hines, I have the uh, Sunday ticket. Yeah, but I got the student package. I know I'm 40 years old, but I got the student package. Yes, very cheap. And I watched Hines run hard, fast. He looked really good in week three. I was actually quite impressed. So I would be... I'm actually be slightly concerned. I wouldn't freak out or panic yet, but if you get a solid offer and move Taylor, I would consider doing it. Interesting. I, and, you know, 
I always say, you know, I did mention volume, but, you know, volume is only so good because fantasy football, you win by touchdowns. You win by, in PPR leagues, receptions. Volume is only so good if, you know, if you get two extra points due to volume, but you get none. That was the, the key thing, work, too. Uh-huh. That, he got vultured by Hines exactly. in that game. Yeah, and, you know, Naeem Hines has been annoying me for a while, but now that I actually own <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, even worse. Uh, shout out Laddie21. He says, big sad for me sitting Hunt this week. Good thing for me, I was forced into playing him. Um, another another backfield, we just talked about Tony Pollard. Everybody's talking about this every, seem, seemingly every day. Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott. Is Tony Pollard much better than Zeke Elliott? Is Zeke Elliott washed? Okay, give me the rundown on Zeke Elliott. I know you have something to say. Yeah, I definitely drafted him quite heavily. I was in the four spot a few times during draft season. And I kind of wish I took Derek Henry once. So I'm glad I did it at least once because he looks fantastic still. His demise greatly exaggerated. But uh, Zeke had me panicked after week one, like a lot of people. He It was all the rage of Twitter. We all have short memories on Twitter and what was the rage of the week. But everybody's like, oh, my God, why did I draft Zeke? He looks awful against the Tampa Bay defense, which shuts down the run. It does. So last night against a Philly defense, which also is pretty good against the run. It's a pretty stout run defense. He looked explosive, he was fighting for extra yards, and he was given the opportunities much, much more than Pollard was. It suddenly looked like, okay, this is a big divisional game. I'm Mike McCarthy. I'm going to rely on my horse. And he definitely relied more on Zeke Elliott last night, which is great news. Two rushing touchdowns. And, man, I have I feel much more confident now. I'm, people have been hitting me up for trade offers for three weeks on Zeke Elliott. I never bend it. I was 0-2, pulled out the win last week. Grateful to Zeke Elliott for doing so, too. So I'm, I'm not worried anymore. I was a little worried after week two with the 100 yards plus for Pollard on a lot less carries, but uh, he'll be around, too. He's going to lose less playing time when Gallup comes back, too. That's going to hurt Pollard's value even more because yeah. they like to use him as a wide receiver. So I'm, I'm good with Zeke Elliott. I feel very confident about it, and this offense is outstanding as long as Dak Prescott is healthy. Yeah, and I think what a lot of people are too caught up on sometimes is – They'll say things like, yeah, Tony Pollard is doing this. Tony Pollard is doing that. Meanwhile, dude, you don't own Tony Pollard. Stop worrying about Tony Pollard. You own Zeke Elliott, and look at what Great he's point. doing. I mean, yes, Tony Pollard is doing this, doing that, and how does it affect Zeke? Don't worry about Tony Pollard scoring 20 and Zeke also scoring 20. What matters is Zeke also – what matters is Zeke scored you 20. Like, look at how Zeke is being used. That's the guy they're paying a lot. Last night – uh, I had CD Lamb touchdown in my bomb parlay for Monday Night Football as I give, give out on Twitter. <laughs> Hit the one oh, on Sunday night, by the way. Shout out to hey. those who killed the Sunday night one. Uh, had CD Lamb touchdown in the Monday Night Parlay. Um, so close, it, so it close stopped, on that one play. The one foot line or something. Immediately, Zeke. You know, I, I, a lot of panic. Fancy football owners around the world saying, oh, they're not going to feed Zeke because he's washed against a good run defense. Hey, they fed Zeke. So worry about what Zeke is doing for you. And I agree. Don't panic about him. Uh, another, uh, you know, injury riddled kind of situation. A guy that I am always slightly lower on than the average human being. Uh, A.J. Brown. You know, I'm D big D.K. Metcalf guy myself. So a little bit not an Ole Miss fan. Me but too. D See, we got a D.K. squad here. So. You're Hell always yeah. going to hear DK love for me, so maybe that biases my AJ Brown takes a little bit, but he's obviously really, really good. The man does get hurt sometimes, though. Uh, what's the outlook on AJ Brown here? You are just talking to somebody. You're talking to the mirror, man. I'm the man in the mirror. Michael Jackson style here. I'm telling you, I completely agree with you. I love DK Metcalf. I wanted to get him as much as I could. I also love Tyler Lockett, side note. They're both outstanding, but yeah. I actually think Metcalf's a little more reliable week to week, just like I believe you were saying on your show. I thought I heard last you talk week. about that. Yeah, yeah last week we, we talked at length about, you know, I, I made a very passionate tweet about, you know, DK, st stop saying that DK Metcalf is irrelevant because of Tyler Lockett also being really, really good. Like, just, just stop. Great point. Totally yeah. agree with that, too. I love Lockett. I, I drafted him everywhere, just like I want to have Metcalf everywhere. And Metcalf proved that he's more solid. Some reason the Seattle offense just disappears in the second half when it used to be Russell's time to cook was the second half of the fourth quarter. So I don't know what's going on there. But I do know that A.J. Brown is someone I completely avoided. I have zero shares. I just wasn't interested because I was really concerned about the loss of Arthur Smith to Atlanta, former offensive coordinator for the Titans. He made... Tannehill a thing. I really believe he had a lot to do with that. Tannehill's talented, too. Don't get me wrong. No right. disrespect to him. But A.J. Brown, 
could be a big play guy, but I, I worry about durability. But I also worry about opportunity because they're, they're going to run the crap out of the ball still, which we've seen. And with Julio Jones in the mix, that was kind of the dagger. That was it. That was last call. I'm like, okay, now you've got a guy who could still play. I don't care if Julio struggled or if you don't love him, Julio Jones could very much be a factor. So if you combine all of those factors in, I had no interest in A.J. Brown, and I will not be making an effort to go get him. Although I could see I could see why someone would make the case, Ahan, for, hey, a buy low, maybe take a chance now. But that's not going to be me. I was muted. That's why you heard a pause for two seconds. Uh, we yeah. all need a break, man. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Um, I, I, I feel you on the AJ Brown take. I, I, I do agree. I think everybody has its price. You should never rule anybody out. Shouldn't be one of those. I, I hate when people tweet, "Who is somebody you are definitely not drafting next season?" Like if Devontae Adams falls to fifty next year, I'm drafting him. It, it just <laughs> if his ADP is five, I'm not drafting him. It's simple. Everybody has its price. So. Sure. I wouldn't overreact to somebody way ahead of time. KMD5221, welcome to the chat. He's a what's up, Ahan? Finally, can tune in. This, up, guy, this guy's in one of my leagues. Mooney Gang, those of you who are listening, welcome on into the stream and appreciate you for joining. Uh, we are still talking about some week three. And as we transition, you mentioned Arthur Smith going to the Falcons. So let's talk a little bit about another coach that switched teams from the Falcons, Dan Quinn. Uh, Dallas defense. Now, this was a defense that I I made so much money on last season, just betting with friends on you know the Dallas Cowboys, Wheaton boys. God damn it, their defense was awful. They were historically awful. You should have realized that soon enough in the season, but people didn't realize it until like week twelve. Um, so I made money off them. It's as simple as that. You can't do that as easily this year. Dan Quinn is great, and he drafted. Um, or he helped the Cowboys draft defenders that fit the way he wants to play football. And Trayvon Diggs, best Diggs in the family, maybe? I don't know. I'm going a little <laughs> too far. But, but he, but he Name your favorite Diggs! <laughs> but he has three interceptions in the first t- uh, three games. He's uh, tipping passes, doing everything on defense right now. So uh, I just want to bring up Dallas defense. You're earning my respect a little bit thanks to Dan Quinn. Again, I had Jalen Hurts as my quarterback love of the week. It's no longer a shoe in to just put a rushing quarterback up against Dallas and assume they'll drop 30. Um, he had trouble, and he did salvage his fantasy performance thanks to some garbage time, but he didn't look great doing it at all. Um, so just want to put that out there. You, it's time to realize that the Dallas defense is no longer just a punching bag. No punching against the Cowboys anymore. I love it. You said it all, my friend. Dad Quinn's a wizard. He knows defense, and if he's on the staff, the defense will just get better from the previous year when he wasn't there. It sounds kind of trite, and there's not a lot of substance to it, but it really can be that simple. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of, you know, defense, uh, team that uh, has a lot of or, – or, not speaking of defense. Speaking of the Cowboys, and I added that out. Speaking of the Cowboys, uh, Dalton Schultz. Now, Dalton, Dalton, I, I always butcher the name. You get my point. He scored two touchdowns last, last night. Uh, he did have a play that you know some Cowboys crit- uh, fans criticized him about. You know you got to be stronger uh, near the end zone. Uh, Dak throws one up the middle. He basically has it, and he might have gotten like to the one yard line or something like that. But he quote unquote dropped it. He got hit by a defender. Uh, the point is that Dal- Dalton Schultz got got his work in the tight end position. We know by now it's a glitch. And for, if you were following along with my tweets from before the season, I said in particular this season it's going to be a pain in the neck. Uh, and that's why I want to remind people this is why you don't, you're not afraid sometimes to reach. Uh, in my home league, I quote unquote reached on TJ Hawkinson. I'm fine on TJ Hawkinson. And by the, by the way, I, I'll mention him again for his week three performance, but I'm fine on TJ Hawkinson. And you know why I wasn't too scared because I don't want to fall in that category of having to stream between Tyler Conklin and, I don't know, Max Williams every week. I don't want to be in that situation because I'm always <laughs> going to pick the one who scores zero rather than the one who scores 20. But don't That's the way it. of the NFL, man. <laughs> exactly. And tight end, you know, it's it's always a lottery and, you know, people get mad about it. Uh, but the biggest beneficiary to the Michael Gallup injury for now, you mentioned Tony Pollard, Dalton Schultz, uh, and two touchdowns yesterday. Uh, what I would do is look for game scripts like yesterday. I feel like we got a good sense of how Dallas 
uh, likes to feed their many talented offensive players. Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb, if you didn't watch the game, you'd see, uh, you'd see afterwards, oh, they, they disappear. They didn't perform. It's, you know, Dak just has a different game plan every single week, and depending on how the game goes, today was Dal- or last night was Dalton Schultz's time to shine. He was a tight end one of the week. So if Dallas is matched up against physical cornerbacks like Darius Slay, who actually kept switching between Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb, uh, and actually lost his man completely when he was one-on-one with C.D. Lamb. He just stood there like a mummy. I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> uh, and Dak found a, a touchdown to Cedric Wilson at the back of the end zone. But if they are matched up against physical cornerbacks like Darius Slay, Dalton Schultz immediately narrative. If if Dallas is maybe going to be up, narrative, boom. You look at somebody like that if you are streaming tight end still. Just want to put that name out there. Uh, speaking of pass catchers, last situation – uh, last couple of situations I want to get to. Um, you can have the first dibs. This is the Giants. Uh, so there's some stuff going on with the Giants with injuries on both defense and offense. But the fancy the, the fancy owners, what they want to know about is uh, if Darius Slayton is gone uh, for a very long time, um, what do we do? If uh, Sterling Shepard gets hurt, oh, boy, there's a lot going on. Mm. So please, Michael, be be my guest. Dissect this whole situation. Well, it looks like there is something funky going on. You would be a fool to assume that this is standard issue. You got two wide receivers who go out with the same injury, hamstrings, the good old hammies. I love the hammies. Hammies will get you a long way. But when they fail you, when they get hurt, the hamstrings can really hinder you, as you know. And at the wide receiver position, it's a no-brainer. I'm already assuming that Slayton will definitely be out. I don't know if we officially know any updates yet. We're still waiting on that, as far as I know. But I am concerned that Joe Judge is pushing them too hard or there's something going on in practice. Now, that's the type of accusation I can only make from an outsider with a lot of experience watching football and having his own body crumble. And the harder you push it, the more likely it is that things are going to start falling apart. And it's only week four, dude. So... There's something goofy going on back there. I can't say for sure what it is, so I won't speculate any further. But the bottom line is, Kadarius Toney is in play now, and I don't think anybody expected that. Everyone laughed at Gettleman for drafting him, but now it looks like they actually need him. So you gotta get you can rip on a guy, but you gotta give a guy credit when suddenly it's like, oh wow, we kind of need this dude right now. I'm not gonna be picking up Tony. I don't I just think it's really risky. He's a rookie wide receiver, too. And Kenny Galladay's coming back from the hip issue. I know Galladay well from my Detroit days here. I'm a Detroit Lions. I'm not a fan because I'd be crazy to be a fan of the Detroit Lions. But I've lived in Detroit most of my life, so I've experienced the Lions. And nothing was crazier than Sunday, of course. But we've seen that before. Justin Tucker hit a 61-yarder against us at the buzzer a couple years ago. So that's a standard issue. Bottom line is I'm kind of baffled here. I love Sterling Shepard coming into the season, Ahan, but I'm not really sure what to do other than pick up Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram is healthy. He was back. He got five to six targets on Sunday. And this is a guy who they're going to feed a lot more because he's going to get the opportunity. So I love Evan Ingram. And I know you said you want to have a tight end that you can rely on. Forget about it. But I like to play that game. I'm different than you. I'm crazy. I'm goofy. I'll play that week-to-week game. And if you could pick up guys like Evan Ingram... Or Pat Freermuth of the Steelers. Yes, I love Freermuth. Everybody's talking about Kyle Pitts as the rookie. Oh my God, Kyle Pitts is the, the next thing. But the best rookie tight end this season might be Pat Freermuth. Think about that. Suck <laughs> so that far. in for a minute and think about it. Can't argue it so far. Yeah. yeah. Pat, uh, but even Gang, going who, forward. Yeah, Mooney Gang, who are listening, you know, Patty F, our friends who did score um, a touchdown for us. We're looking for two, but um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Laddie says, I snagged TJ in two leagues based on your recommendation, so we are in this together, my man. Uh, You know, last couple points I want to bring up since you mentioned uh, Evan Engram. You got to mention a couple people who can drop the football. Uh, Marquise Brown. First of all, I I made this tweet earlier, and I was just like, the biggest lesson from Marquise Brown against the Detroit Lions is stop calling him Hollywood. God damn it. (laughs) That's the biggest Uh, lesson. There's nothing else you need to take out of this game. Drops will happen. People were panicking about Deontay Johnson last season just because of the drops. I was actually panicking before because I thought he'd get hurt. Um, Not because of the drops. You can't over, you can't, you can't overreact to a few drops. He just got to get his mind right. And if he can't get his mind right, like Zeke didn't for like a, a majority of the season last year, then we'll yep. see about that, but you can't just assume he's going to drop three passes every day. Just not going to happen. Uh, so he'll be fine. 
he has a few good matchups coming up. And you mentioned the Giants just want to read out a few of their upcoming matchups. The Saints, the Cowboys, the Rams, the Panthers, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Bucks, the Eagles, the Dolphins. I'm just reading off their entire schedule because that those are the teams that can play some defense. Um, so if you if you're if you're all excited about picking up waiver wire guys who are Giants offensive players, just be prepared for the fact that they won't be able to produce. Just saying that. Mm. Last thing I want to mention the Bears offense. Uh, I'm not going to take my Justin Fields victory laps because there's more to, to you know the whole Justin Fields situation than just the numbers he put up. Um, people who are longtime listeners of the podcast or longtime members of my Twitter circle, you know that I was I was lower on Justin Fields as a quarterback than the average human being. Doesn't mean he's not good. He's frequently talented. He can pass the ball like crazy. He can run the ball like crazy. That's not the issue. The issue is he does have some deficiencies, and if you're going to give him a mediocre offensive line and, you know, mediocre at best offensive line and uh, an offensive scheme that doesn't get wide receiver separation on anything, deep balls, slants, nothing, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough for him to shine. And there's a reason Mac Jones has been the best rookie quarterback so far, and not because he's the most talented. He's not. Might not even be the top three just talent-wise. It's because he's been put in good situations and it's because the offensive scheme works for him and it's because there are some upgrades talent wise jones been the best rookie quarterback so far unless we're counting trey lance i'm counting i actually i mean trevor lawrence is producing more stats tech fantasy wise i know he throws picks but i can't we, 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 I, I, th- I think maybe that's a more open-ended argument. I'm, I'm willing to have that argument. You know what? It's, yeah, it's not even one I want to have. I regret it's, it. <laughs> it's only because I'm a Clemson fan that I'll have that argument, but at a later time. So, yeah, it's totally pointless. It's totally pointless. Forget I said totally, anything. No, no, no. It, good debate. Let us know. Trevor Lawrence or Mac Jones so far. I'm, ta- I'm taking Mac right now, but good. I can I can accept other arguments. And I called Zach Wilson the QB1 of the draft, like talent-wise, before the draft. <sighs> before the draft. So I said that beforehand, so... You may want to bring that up. You may not. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, last last thing I want to mention about week three: Mike Williams owns the Chiefs, and these days everybody. But don't worry, Keenan Allen exists. I'll just say that as we transition into the next section of the podcast, which is panic meters. So three weeks into the season, this is definitely the time to make all your decisions. That was definitely sarcasm. Do not clip the audio on that and then post it on Twitter. Is <laughs> Because goddamn, do, don't panic about most players, but we're going to do a little bit of a panic meter, and I'm calling it Shook or Sturdy. And the reason I'm renaming it is because, one, I'm trying to be work on like my creativeness, even though I don't have it. Uh, Good for you. And two, no, you do. And, you know, you got to work on your deficiencies. And yes. uh, And two... Uh, oh, uh, and process good situations. Offense is working for him. Yeah, yeah. You can mock me now, but when Mac Jones doesn't lose by thirty against the Bucks, you'll be laughing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway. So I'm calling it shook or sturdy for the next section because one, I'm not. If I'm drafting somebody and I don't like them as a player, why the hell am I at a draft? Just let Auto Pick do it for me, right? So I'm not changing my opinions deeply about a player's talent or about a player's fancy situation just through three weeks, right? So we're not panicking. Uh, We're not necessarily being arrogant about things either. You know, it's either shook or sturdy. So panic meter, are you shook about what you've seen so far and maybe considering that your opinions might be shifting? Or are you sturdy on them thinking there's no reason to panic, there's no indication that you might have been completely wrong about them? And I've included some names here that I wasn't high on, and we'll just talk about, you know, which direction has the meter moved, if at all. And, uh, you know, I'll start quick one. You mentioned this one earlier, so we'll make this a quick one. Miles Sanders, Michael, shook or sturdy? I'm sturdy. You watch him run. He's so talented. He's got explosiveness that you can't teach. I'm going to stick with that to the end. That's all you got to do is put the ball into his tummy, and magic will happen. But you got to put the ball in his tummy. And by the way, this is my uh, official panic face. This is the classic face that people do at college football games where they can't believe, you know, this thing, like, what just happened? Yes. So this is my panic uh, motion for those of you on the live stream. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'll agree with that for now. I mean, I, I wasn't one of those that were high on him at his ADP. I am no more panicky about him than I was earlier. 
um, because the touchdowns will come and he just hasn't gotten the work when he needs to. And Gainwell was non-existent now. Gainwell, I didn't see him at all last night. Boston Scott was a thing during primetime games last uh, last year. And yeah, Boston Scott's not a thing. So I think he'll be quote-unquote fine. Yep. Uh, Robert Woods, this is a quick one. I'm going sturdy. No other comment. Sturdy. Party sturdy. on. Uh, Kenny Galladay. Now, I did draft him in the Fantrax uh, Staff League. Um, a guy that I thought was about being drafted correctly where he's at. One of the best contested football catchers over the last couple of years. He's freakishly athletic when he plays. You would know that as a Lions fan, Michael. <laughs> uh, he, he's he's a solid, solid player. Um, but, you know, questions about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, that's, that's my boy right there in terms of, like, I think he was a little underrated in the past. Not my boy as in I think he's a top 10 quarterback. I mean, no, I'm not one of those delusional fans on Twitter. Sure, yeah. Right, but... I, I think people don't sometimes don't give him the credit he deserves. And, you know, he had a good primetime game against Washington. He lost, but he had a good primetime game, a couple bad passes. But last week, pick Kenny Galladay as my wide receiver love of the week, went against the Falcons back-to-back -back weeks because it worked for Mike Evans when he scored two touchdowns. Uh, didn't quite work out the same way for Kenny Galladay. You know, I thought that him kind of being frustrated would help with the volume and, you know, they'd use him more in the red zone. Falcons-Giants game. Can we just all agree that it was ugly? It was ugly for fantasy purposes for sure. So Kenny Galladay, shook or sturdy? Galladay, I'm going to be sturdy on because you already know who he is. There's no secrets. And he's been getting the targets as they've eased him apparently into the offense. So I don't have any worries about him now, especially with all the injuries at wide receiver. Although he, he could fall apart at any given moment, but you're taking that risk already up front. Because if you don't know who he is up front, then you shouldn't be drafting him. So if you've already connected on a draft pick of Kenny Galladay, then stay true to it and play him regularly. I, I was stunned. I really thought the Giants would win that game, and I thought it was kind of a lock. I thought, all right, they're at home. They had a heartbreaking loss against Washington. They're going to take it to Atlanta. Atlanta is just not very good, but good Lord. Uh, Joe Judge is either not a good coach or there's something else. They, they're just not good at all, but they have a lot of talent. I don't get it. And bottom line is, I'm with you. That was the lamest game and the biggest disappointment because we want us the early games so far this year, each week, a lot of duds, like all the cool action, the exciting moments are happening at the 4 p.m. games, Eastern time and the nighttime games. So I hope we can get some more action at the one o'clock games. At least the primetime games are so far making up for it, except maybe oh, last night. Oh, amazing. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Robbie Anderson, those of you who uh, know me well, you know that I think that he's more talented than his stats show. He oh, finally really? he I I've been a big like he he's talented kind of guy. For That's the me last too, season. dude. Oh, there we found go, each right? other. I I told everybody about him. Like people would ask me, "Hey, who do you like in the draft?" I'm like, dude, get Robbie Anderson. This guy is underrated yes. and he is explosive and can make plays. So I'm with you. Yeah. So Robbie Anderson. So we agree that he's talented. Some people still not agree because some people are arrogant. But it is what it is. Robbie Anderson. He is talented. Uh, he finally leaves Sam Darnold, and I go yes. He finally gets, you know, a different <laughs> look at quarterback. He's going to go off. And last year, he went off. Uh, one of the best uh, values at uh, wide receiver, given where he was drafted. Made the deep plays, got a lot of volume on, you know, slants, the short routes. He got all kinds of action last year. This year, Sam Darnold is back and ready to hold Robbie Anderson back again so far. Not to say Sam Darnold <laughs> has been playing poorly. The Panthers, no. everything going for them, except for Robbie Anderson, fantasy owners. Uh, shook or sturdy for Robbie Anderson based on what he's done so far, completely giving up um, all the big plays to DJ Moore and giving up targets to Terrace Marshall Jr., who another wide receiver I love. Yeah, I think um, I'm shook on this one. I can't believe it. I'm, I got my hands on my head, and I'm staring out into the ether in disappointment. I feel like they're is a guy who could provide you with week-to-week -week consistency, but he's not hes not in the mix. I'm hoping that with CMC going down that maybe they involve him more. And DJ Moore was slightly limping. I, I'm not sure what the status would be. I think it would be all right. But I agree with you. I loved his ability. When he had that week one touchdown, I was so excited. That bomb was the only catch he really had, a 57-yard touchdown. But... Since then, it's been kind of like, oh, where you been, Robbie Anderson? And I don't blame Darnold Law because I completely believe in Matt Rule. I love Matt Rule as a coach. So, Matt Rule, you know I support you. I think you'll be the coach of the year. I'm really high on the Panthers this season. Hear me now, Matt Rule. Find this somehow and just get the ball to Mr. Anderson, please.
Yeah, and Laddie 21 says it's the best. Huge talent, bad situation slash teams. Uh, I feel like I should have done this segment on a different episode with not Michael because we're agreeing on everything. <laughs> I'm shook. I think he covered everything. Uh, Robbie Anderson, yeah, it, I think it's time to uh, panic a little bit. Um, the Falcons as a whole, everybody knows they're not good, but they got talented offensive players. Calvin Ridley, shook or sturdy. Yeah, I'm going to say sturdy on that one because he's too talented. And Matt Ryan will find a way. Matt Ryan has had several changes in offensive coordinators over the years. It's another one. Another, even at an old age, you still have an adjustment period. Not for Matt Stafford, apparently. He just went right into the system and dominated. But Matt Ryan, if you look back at when they had a new OC, he starts slow but picks it up and finishes strong. Take a look. I won't explain it all to you now, but Google it. Bottom line is, I believe that Matt Ryan will get Ridley the ball more often because he... He is so talented. So I'm not worried about Ridley. It sucks now, but don't panic. Yeah, and, you know, I'll, I'll just, same topic. I added this. You added Ridley. I added this guy, Kyle Pitts. The, the the guy I called the generational player at his position at the draft this season. I, I felt wow. like the difference, I felt like coming into the draft, that the difference between him and the second best tight end, whoever it was on the board, and I did say it was Patty F. during the draft. I said he was the second best tight end. But... The difference between him and whoever the second best was, talent-wise, I felt like was one of the biggest we've ever seen in the tight end position. And I still feel like he's extremely talented. So I'll, I'll just say now, I'm not only sturdy about it, I feel like you should, if you are completely, um, you know, it, if you're completely in dire need of a tight end in a deep league where streaming is just really not working for you, I yeah. would buy low into Kyle Pitts. Uh, and I'll just read off some numbers. Um, week one, Four out of eight, when I say four out of eight, means four receptions on eight targets. Four out of eight for Kyle Pitts, five out of eight for Calvin Ridley. Week two, five out of six for Kyle Pitts with 73 yards. Um, and then the volume goes up for Ridley, seven for 10. And then week three, Kyle Pitts only two for three. Um, but uh, Calvin Ridley, eight for 11. But again, I feel like that was just an ugly game. Kyle Pitts is very talented. Some of the catches he is making are not trivial catches. So I'm sturdy. I'm actually going to go opposite on you this one, buddy. I am shook. I've got a shook feeling about Pitts just because he's a rookie and sometimes it's tough out there and patience is required, but I don't think we're the, too lofty. The expectations are out of control. The hype machine gets too big. Whenever the hype machine gets too big on a player, I immediately get concerned and I like to go the other way. It's kind of like in betting. When the public's going all on one way, it's great to go another way. And I know that's not maybe like rock solid statistical data that you're looking for but that's the feel i have for this game and with this particular situation i just think there's i think the potential is there but from a dynasty perspective lock him in have him be happy with him in five years but like, this guy's awesome but in terms of the over under coming into the season for yards from vegas on him was 800 yards do you think he'll get there Probably not, given, given what we're seeing so far, given how ugly the, the Falcons are. Um, and I, I do still think Calvin really is a head honcho of the, the offense. So I, I agree yep. with you on that. But I do think, uh, I, I personally think Kyle Pitts picks it up and has this five-game stretch where he scores six touchdowns or something like that. I was that. just going to say that. I, I can see a three-game stretch where he has like double-digit touchdowns in a row. I could <laughs> see that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and finally, you know, we talk about rookies. Let's ramp it up a bit to another tight end. Uh, George Kittle, definitely not a rookie there. We know who this guy is. Um, not the fantasy stud people were hoping for so far. And I do want to mention the people who have been listening on the TJ Hawkins and stuff. I had TJ Hawkins as a tight end three for fantasy coming into this year. Wow. But it was, wasn't ahead of Kittle. It was ahead of Waller. Um, I still had Kittle at number two. So I am I am a little shook. I'm, I'll just say it. I'm a little shook about Kittle because I was expecting him to still be the tight end uh, to even though I knew Jimmy Garoppolo was starting the season, and people know people who know me, they know I, I I talk my trash about Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think he's very good. I've been saying it for years, um, but I am shook about George Kittle because first of all, Debo Samuel just for me kind of out of nowhere. Um, Brandon Ayuk, week one, they say he's still learning how to be a professional player. Like what the hell is that? People saying you couldn't have told me that before draft season, um, and then Ayuk, you know, bet on him for week three, paid off. Um, but I don't know what's going on with Ayuk. I don't know if Samuel's just going to be a superstar the rest of the season. Uh, the quarterback situation in the red zone, they're putting in Trey Lance and using his talent. is just too confusing for me, so I'm shook. 
Yep, that guy is shook. I would be shook too because, not because of Jimmy G. I think you'd be a little too harsh on Jimmy G. In terms of overall quarterback competition, you look around the league, he's still pretty solid. He's a talented guy. He took a team to a Super Bowl. I believe that was intentional. And he went up to the game-winning drive on Sunday night. They just left too much time for Aaron Rodgers. So it wasn't his fault. I know he had a bad first half. but Jimmy G, debate aside, Kittle seemed to thrive with other quarterbacks. If you look at some of his best efforts, and you know Jimmy G's been hurt a lot over the last two to three years. When Beathard came in, and uh, God, I can't remember the other guy, but the backups came in. They really loaded up. Thank you. Yeah, they loaded up on Kittle a lot. And I wonder if there's a there was just more of a dedication to getting Kittle the ball from those other guys because they had to depend on their tight end. And Jimmy J doesn't seem to do that as much. Although in this game, this last game against Green Bay, he had seven balls and he was targeted eight times, I believe. So this is someone that I would I would be sturdy on because he has the talent. I think I'm sturdy, but I'm really like my, if you broke down my own individual, Hey, how do you feel? How's your shook sturdiness? I'm a little maybe shook on my shook sturdy take here. I'm confused. Yeah. You guys, you're so shook. You hit your own microphone there. So. Ah! We'll, we'll make these last couple of quick. Cause uh, you know, a lot to unravel there. Uh, Stefan Diggs talked about, you know, the inferior Diggs brother, no, not serious about that, but <laughs> Stefan Diggs is a stud, uh, but shook or sturdy, not living up to his ADP quite yet. Shook or sturdy, given uh, the Bills' offense has a lot of mounts to feed, including Zach Moss. You remember that list I talked about earlier? Fancy touches per uh, or fancy points per 100 snaps. Uh, take out Monday Night Football again. Zach Moss in the top four on that list. Devin Singletary also exists, and Bills fans have been saying Devin Singletary is the main man in the backfield. Like, there's a lot of offense here. Stefan Diggs, Shooker Sturdy. Uh, did you see Ryan Clark last night on SVP Sports Center? He was. I did not. He was saying the other Diggs brother was the better player. He's had a reception because he's had an interception in each week so far, <laughs> and it was really a quite an interesting take from Mr. Clark. Uh, I am. I'm sturdy on the fact that he's a great player and a great offense, but I'm shook on the fact that he's not going to be the guy he was last year because it was such an elite year. It was just kind of hard for him to replicate that, especially with the way Allen seems to be distributing more and more than he was last year. And with the rise of Dawson Knox, I, I just not seeing it as, as the season he had in 2020. Yeah, I'm going to disagree on that. I think not only am I sturdy, I feel like, Okay, first of all, I, I want to say that I think he was drafted about correctly. I've never been the kind of guy that if if I'm going to draft a wide receiver that that early, I'm going to go with you know a player who is basically like a volume guy, and you have to they're going to feed Cole Beasley around him, all that kind of stuff. This is why I feel like I didn't end up with any shares of him because my draft strategy just didn't fall into a situation where Diggs falls in the sweet spot. But I feel like if you want to trade an elite wide receiver for Stefan Diggs. I feel like there are some situations in which that works. Um, if you if people feel like they are panicking on Stefan Diggs and you can uh, frame like a, a wide receiver who's going off and trade him for Diggs and frame it as a downgrade, there's a lot of potential there because I think he's going to have a couple of weeks where he's the wide receiver one on the week. So I feel like the, the potential of him scoring two touchdowns, the potential of him catching those 50-yard passes like it's nobody's business – it's too much, so I'm, I'm sturdy on him, and I feel like he's going to he's going to up the, the fantasy performances from here on out. Uh, speaking of another great, great wide receiver, Julio Jones. Uh, you mentioned A.J. Brown earlier. One of the guys that was worrying you about A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, uh, shook or sturdy given his inconsistency so far? Uh, I am sturdy. You know, he had that touchdown called off in week two at Seattle, I believe. It was a great catch. His yeah. feet were down. I thought it was a touchdown. It was shocking that they removed it. Um, he's had a 100-yard game already. He's still got the talent. It seems to be there. They just have to work out the offense and keep the balance flowing off the play action. And the more that people focus on Derrick Henry, that has to benefit Julio Jones. I see that as a dangerous combination at times, but it also is why it takes away from A.J. Brown's status. But Julio should have been cheaper in drafts, so that's why I say I'm sturdy there because hopefully he did not pay a ridiculous price on Julio Jones. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go shook. Um, I did not end up with shares of Julio Jones, not because I thought his ADP was extremely high. I think there's a lot of talent there to be had. I think he'll have 
an, another few weeks where he scores 20 fantasy points. Even yep. he, he scored it without a touchdown, by the way, and he almost had that other touchdown. I did think he was out, so I, I, do, agree, I do agree with that overturn. I, I, I did think he was out, but mostly because I'm obsessed with zooming into angles like that. And I, I, I thought I thought he was out, but so I thought that was the right call. But he's, he didn't score a touchdown and still scored 20 fantasy points. I, I think he can do that multiple times, but not enough for me to be like, yeah, he's starting every week. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with him as my wide receiver two or anything like that because he can have those five point weeks. Uh, last situation for this section, bucks running backs, they face the Patriots this week. So I feel like it's a perfect transition into our final segment. Bucks running backs, Ronald Jones, irrelevant so far, got taken out, fumbled on one of the few, uh, first few offensive plays for the bucks on the season. Leonard Fournette exists. Giovanni Bernard, um, as my running back five or six in one league, um, scored 20 points sitting on the bench. Who cares? Uh, and then he got gets slightly hurt. Um, so Bucks running backs, how do you read the room? Oh, man. I wanted to bring this up, but I truly am lost right here. It's pretty obvious right now. It looks really, really, really bad currently. It's all only playoff Lenny apparently at this time for Leonard Fournette. And Ronald Jones who showed flashes in a stretch last year where I was like, oh, this is the guy, and he can make things happen. And Tom Brady loves play action. But they're like, it's not even about that anymore. It's just a free-for-all, high-flying passing offense. So I'm genuinely concerned now, but I'm actually comfortable going forward because I know that Brady and Arians and Byron Leftwich will get this thing right in terms of more balance. They know if they're going to win it again, they need a little bit more balance. I know this is a passing league and, you know, it's not 1987 anymore, so you truly can pass a ton. But I actually think Ronald Jones will be the guy who's more explosive. Uh, Leonard Fournette is inconsistent to me. And I know Jones fumbled week one and people are like, oh God, here we go again. But I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to buy in on Ronald Jones that I would take a chance if you could just pick him up because he should be on your waiver wire. Interesting. Yeah, I... Uh, oh, and Gio Bernard is out. Gio Bernard is hurt right now. Possible MCL sprain. So keep an eye on that. More opportunities. Yeah, exactly. I I, I feel like the, the, it can't get much lower for Ronald Jones. So I feel like by that logic, he's an automatically a buy low. Um, <laughs> now that he is That's... this low, um, and I I don't mind Ronald Jones as an RB three and a half kind of guy. I don't want him as my RB two. Um, I, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. Right, right. So you just wanted to clarify that nobody is recommending that. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we all know who they're facing this week. Let's move on to um, week four. So injuries exist um, in the league. I know Cam D, I don't know if he's still in the chat, but you're in the league with me that ends week six. This is a 98-person league, Michael, for, for context. Um, we have... <laughs> We have uh, seven 14-team leagues. Mooney Gang, shout out to y'all in the league. We have mm -hmm. seven leagues that are 14 people each, and the first stage ends week six. The top two after six weeks move on to the final league that starts week seven. We draft right before week seven. So crazy stuff here. I won't bore you with more details about how my team is doing there, but I had a great draft, except I drafted Curtis Samuel. I drafted Jarvis Landry, and I started Jarvis Landry last week and still won because my team is was that solid. Wow. And the final punch, Christian McCaffrey uh, goes down, and I finally get my first loss, and I can't afford two losses in this kind of league. Um, so I'm in trouble, and uh, one of and one of the you know more gut punches is – one of the other gut punches is that when I did have Chuba Hubbard, it was only for week one, and then I dropped him because Christian McCaffrey – uh, getting hurt was not something I expected to happen that quickly. So Cuba Harbor's go, going off your waiver wire this this week, that's for sure. Regardless of how long Christian McCaffrey is out, it looks like he's not going on the injured reserve. That's the le uh, the latest we heard, but you never know. He's had injury history. So Cuba Harbor is going off the waiver wires for sure. You know, people can spend 100% fab on Elijah Mitchell. They're definitely spending on Cuba Hubbard. Um, but besides yeah. Hubbard, uh, I mentioned Odell looked great in his return with no Landry. Um, want to mention Minnesota, the Chargers, the Cardinals, the next three matchups um, of the Browns with the backfield getting spicy. We talked about Chubb and Hunt. Um, just wanted to put that out there that Odell is maybe one of those must starts, at least for the next three weeks. I don't, I don't know if you have a disagreement with that because this is a controversial topic. And as I say that, the one league I do have him in, 
I'm benching him, but it's it's mostly because my wide receiver room is just way too deep. Mike Williams is my wide receiver three. So wow, yeah. So yeah, that says it, just, it all. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I'm not playing him there. So don't get on me for that. But I I do think if your wide receiver room is a little more normal, um, this is a guy you do want to be starting. You don't want to be scared that he vanishes because I don't think he's vanishing for a few weeks. I was a little skeptical about OBJ, especially because. He burned me last year when he tore his knee up, and I was like, he wasn't even that impressive before that either. So I'm like, this guy's fast as prime, but he looked very rejuvenated. It was not a crazy game. You know, it was a solid comeback where they showed that he still had it. He ran the routes he needed to. He looked really crisp. His toe work, his footwork looked all like it was comfy and totally trusting in the knee. So yeah, I could see him having a really solid game at Minnesota, and I see that being a fascinating game for Cleveland. I actually think they'll lose because Minnesota, it just seems like if OBJ can be really, really good in that game, that'll help Cleveland win. They're going to need passing attack to help them kind of keep up with that high-powered, intense Minnesota offense. So OBJ would very much be a part of that. But that that means I'm in right now. I like what he looked like, and I would actually be buying. I would try to make a play to get him now because I think they're really going to show that he's still got that super talent that he had that made him a star. I mean, he was, it's so weird to think about. It's 2021 now, but he was the king of New York. He was a superstar. And now he's kind of not even near the same pantheon of legendary status that he was. So keep an eye on him. I think he wants to get back to that. Couple wide receivers. Uh, I want to throw a quick mention to KJ Hamler is done for the season. Very sad for those of you who thought he was going to become the next Robbie Anderson or something. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we, we talked about him last, uh, or, you know, a couple podcasts ago and we said, Tim Patrick is the main man. Uh, now he's really the main man because with yes. Jerry Judy out with Jerry Judy out, who's a wide receiver to, to Cortland Sutton is definitely uh, Tim Patrick. And he has been producing on a consistent basis, kind of, kind of flex play in most uh, leagues for league formats. Um, so I like Tim Patrick even more. Uh, and the other wide receiver, keep an eye on Curtis Samuel. I mentioned I drafted Curtis Samuel in this six-week league. Um, please, for God's sake, come back. Uh, come back to daddy. I, I need you. Uh, <laughs> Curtis Samuel, uh, I, I think he's a solid player. I wanted the Patriots to sign him in free agency. We ended up doing a lot more than that. But uh, we did. he's a talented player, uh, and he could be an immediate factor in the Washington offense because I feel like with the Washington offense, they are missing that kind of guy that can complement Terry McLaurin. I, what whatever the hell Ron Rivera thinks he's doing in the backfield, you know, as an Antonio Gibson owner myself, that that's that's a completely different situation. But wide receiver wise, Curtis Samuel, I feel like he's going to play an immediate role in the offense when he comes back, and hopefully it's this week. So when he does come back, I feel like he he's definitely should be rostered in leagues as small as ten teams. Um, upcoming matchups for him: the Falcons, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Packers, the I was going to say the Nuggets, the the Broncos. <laughs> The hey, Michael Porter Jr. just signed a max deal, so you must be really I, that, that was about what's that. on my mind. Uh, <laughs> so definitely some matchups where Curtis Samuel can eat, so I would look out for him. Uh, Michael, you have the, the fab guide um, on your latest article. I'm going to put that link in the uh, podcast description. For those Thanks, buddy. Want, who want to read that, if you do – if hopefully I, this does get uploaded Tuesday evening so that you can read on it a little bit before your Wednesday waiver claims. And there are some leaks, some uh, platforms – that do do waivers uh, Wednesday night. So you'll definitely have a little time to read Michael's fab. And if you're watching on stream, go ahead and read it now. It's up on Twitter. I posted his Twitter link in the chat. I'll post it again right there. Go see his latest article on fab. Any highlights? Any highlights, Michael? Any guys that you want to give a shout out to on the podcast? Just say like, go get that guy kind of guys. Well, I actually have Tim Patrick as the number one wide receiver to get this week in the wide receiver world above Emmanuel Sanders. So he's very much connected with Mr. Bridgewater. Teddy Two Gloves and Tim Patrick have a connection. So I'm very big on Tim Patrick. But I also threw in Deshaun Jackson as the most boomer bust receiver. Don't spend too much on Deshaun after seeing him have that 75-yard touchdown catch. We know he can fly. He has tied the record for the most 75-yard touchdown catches of all time with Lance Allworth and nine. But he's the He's the prototypical boomer bust right now. He might do that, and he might have a zero. So don't go crazy on him. I had Chuba Hubbard I like a lot. He was a guy who stood up for himself and other people in college. Uh, I like guys who have character like that. They show leadership, and he's fast, fast, fast. Ran for 2,100 yards in 2019. I actually think Chuba Hubbard is worth it. 
as long as CMC is out. Royce Freeman be damned. Chuba Hubbard's my guy there. So I really like them a lot. Focus in on them. And I cover all four main positions. So please check it out. I put a lot of work into it. I stay up till the crack of dawn. All for you guys. Exactly. And that, you know, I've, I've stayed up till the crack of dawn a couple of times uh, for for articles. And I, I can tell you, it's it's fun when it's over. It's fun before you start as you're doing your research. In the middle, those are the hours which you don't see. But it, it is it is some work to put together uh, in words uh, the, the the reasoning that you have in your brains. It's it's not easy. Uh, so definitely go check, <laughs> check, check it out. Uh, final preview stuff for week four before we log off the main matchups that you're looking forward to either just game wise or for fantasy football purposes. Um, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get this out of the way. Tom Brady's coming back to Foxborough. There's a reason I'm wearing my Julian Edelman high school Jersey today. He'll be there. <laughs> He'll be there. Um, first off, uh, fancy football purposes. Um, somebody's got to have a big game from Tampa Bay, right? Uh, besides Tom Brady, somebody's got to do it. Uh, Mike Evans will likely be often shadowed by J.C. Jackson with no Stephon Gilmore around. J.C. Jackson is still really, really good. Um, Antonio Brown revenge game, I'm calling it now. Uh, he will be my wide receiver love of the week coming out um, tomorrow morning. Um, if he plays, of course, <laughs> um, as long as he comes off the COVID list, it seems like he is fine because he is, quote, vaccinated, um, and hopefully everything is good with his health. But – um, I'm calling it right now Antonio Brown revenge game. Uh, the other couple games, I'll just I'll just give it out right now. Uh, Detroit at Chicago. Now, on paper, you're gonna say this is Falcons Giants all over again. This is gonna be ugly. No. Uh, first of all, T.J. Hawkinson going to respond to his low usage in Week Three. I think it's gonna be actually a surprisingly good game. Uh, Nick Foles is starting at uh, quarterback for Chicago. Um, then- wait, wait. It's, is it a done deal? Uh, Nick Foles, yeah, it's a done deal. Nick Foles is. Oh my he, God! He has been announced the starter for Chicago. So stupid! In week four, that, that's so stupid. You just heard uh, hundreds, thousands around the country, around the globe, has <laughs> had that same reaction uh, to Nick Foles starting at quarterback. I think this is going to be a surprisingly good game. I want to see if this is the Allen Robinson game because I think there's a high chance that this is finally the time Nick Foles throw those. What the hell balls? And Allen Robinson gets a couple of them. So I, I, I'm I'm calling it right now. We're going to see a highlight reel, one of the best catches we've seen this year from Allen Robinson. He's going to score a touchdown. Um, it's going to be a good Allen Robinson game. So I, I'm looking forward to that game. I agree with that, ball. actually. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I have Allen Robinson in one league. Uh, it's been painful watching him be one of my worst players on the team. He's, he's too good for that. Uh, Chicago got to figure something out um, for, for that fancy team. Uh, mm. The other game I want to shout out is uh, Monday Night Football. Again, we're getting the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football has been amazing. Even last night's game that was a quote-unquote blowout, there were some amazing moments in that game. Uh, so Monday Night Football has been great so far. Last year, Justin Herbert walks off week 15 with a quarterback sneak touchdown against the Raiders. The previous time they met was week nine, and it came down to the last play, and Justin Herbert had the walk-off touchdown. So he would have had two walk-off touchdowns. It gets called back because Donald Parham wasn't in. These, those were two incredible games. Keenan Allen was hurt second half uh, for the second game. He played through some serious injuries, put yeah. up only one catch. I think we see Keenan Allen send a message in this one. Um, so some wide receivers to look out for there. I think that's going to be another great game. Govier. Who are your Govier's guys, um, if you have any, for the upcoming week? I love that phrase and because I love alliterations. And uh, any particular <laughs> game you just want to see from the fantasy scope? Well, it's uh, still early at a Govier's guys. I do a video. We have a Fantrax YouTube channel. Please check it out. Fantrax HQ YouTube channel. YouTube channel. I've started doing new videos. It was kind of dead for a year, so it's just coming back to life. So be patient, but we're going to be doing more and more action over there. So please go sub the Fantrax HQ YouTube channel, and I do a Govier's Guys segment I'll start doing every week, and it takes time. It kind of comes to me as the week progresses, so we'll see who ends up on that list this week. But as far as the matchups, I'm actually really into Baltimore and Denver in mile high. I want to see another Baltimore game go down in history. All three Baltimore games have been wild. 
You got the opening night, Monday night in Vegas. Then you got the game against KC with the fumble last minute. Mar flipping into the end zone. And then, of course, the game-winning 66-yard field goal against my Lions. So I can't wait to see what's next. And we, I think we're all kind of wondering, how can they top the first three in Denver? Plus, Denver's 3-0. and So if Denver is a legit team, which I do believe they are, their defense is really good. And I think Lamar's in for a tough day against that defense. And I want to see if he can show that he's Superman or if the defense says, hey, not today, Lamar, while Teddy Bridgewater leads the Broncos going 4 and oh, <laughs> that would that would be something. I had the Broncos starting starting off three and zero, but four and zero that would be something. It would. Michael, you, you're the absolute man. Uh, appreciate you for joining the stream. Appreciate those for watching. And process don't start any Patriots limb out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Johnu Smith. Johnu Smith, you're killing me, man. Come on. Yeah, actually, I, you know, I made a tweet earlier today about uh, Patriots, Patriots uh, tight ends. Uh, if you sum up the tight end position, they are getting the fourth most targets of any team in the NFL. They do have that platoon. They are a platoon, but Mag is finding the tight ends. And if you see the, some of the film, John o. Smith's got to catch a couple of those, not just the intercepted one. A couple of those yeah. he's got to catch. Um, Hunter Henry is actually playing decently well whenever he is getting the football. Uh, but another platoon situation you want to keep an eye on going forward if there is a very if if there is a buy very low situation on either of those tight ends, something to keep an eye on, and we'll have maybe have more on it after we see them against the Bucks on primetime next week. Michael, appreciate you for coming on the show. Uh, next week we're going to have somebody else, but we're we're going to maybe 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 come playoff time, something like that. Maybe we'll have multiple people on. That would be fun. Ooh. And uh, you know you could be back on this. Definitely won't be the last time you're on the show, but appreciate you for coming on today. Oh, man, I loved it. This was great, man. We were talking football nonstop. Hope you guys absorbed something from it and found it to be entertaining. Ahan's the best. Follow me at MJGovier on Twitter. G-O-V is at Victor, I-E-R. And, of course, I write on FantraxHQ.com with the Fab Report, and I do the Sunday NFC takeaways. There's plenty of stuff that you can look at. But I'm not the only one. Go to Fantrax HQ. A lot of great stuff there, including Ahan's wonderful work. I'm really a big fan of yours. You're an up-and-comer. You're on your way. And in 10 years from now, you're going to be on ESPN or whatever the king of fantasy sports is at some point, running your own show, being the next Matthew Barry. Well, I appreciate those kind words, Michael. You're, you're always spreading the positivity. I, I got to be careful using spreading and positive these days. But, <laughs> but, but you know you know what I mean. It's always the vibes with you. <laughs> Appreciate everybody for listening. The, all those links that uh, Michael just mentioned, they'll be in the description. Go click on those, follow him, and all the good stuff. And we'll see y'all next week.